Data analytics and artificial intelligence are today the most important platforms to support the growth of any organization. In this area, Derivo is a strategic partner offering to their customers expert services that include data management, data visualization, predictive analytics, business intelligence, data science, data security, and cloud computing. We have helped customers like HSBC, Sanofi, and Bimbo to generate significant savings in their business, identifying new growth opportunities and reducing risk through data analytical platforms that improve their decision-making, transforming companies to be more informed with data-driven decisions. Derivo is a partner of the best data analytics technologies. Power BI, ClickSense, Tableau, Snowflake, Databricks, Synapse, Azure Machine Learning, etc. Staff your data analytics backlog in a nearshore schema with a certified team of consultants. Derivo, release the power of data. Hello, I'm Dr. Beverly Wright, and welcome to Tag Data Talk. With us today, we have Ned Karen, Vice President of Marketing at Gray Associates, and we're talking about applying a data-informed approach to influence leaders and business decision makers. Ooh, what a great topic. Thanks for joining us, Ned. Thanks for having me. So let's start off with a little background. Tell us, why are you so cool? Um, so I've had quite the adventure in becoming a vice president of marketing for a data analytics company. Um, I started as a ski bum. Um, that only lasted for a couple of years, and I ended up um, stumbling into a wonderful world of Microsoft, where I had the privilege of launching four different products um, and kind of fell in love with data analysis and stuff like that. After that, I moved into foreign work, working for a Dutch company that um, basically ran on top of SAP and extracted data out of it, allowing companies like Coca-Cola to understand exactly how many cases of Coke they're going to be short late in the year. Um, we ended up selling that company to an American company, and then I stumbled upon Gray Associates, which was really intriguing to me because we are in the world of higher education, and higher education is starting to adapt a more data-informed uh, approach. and kind of that's been my niche these days. I really understand the value of data analytics. And I also understand some of the, I would say concerns people have um, of it just dominating their lives versus becoming just more of an integral part of their lives. Excellent, yeah, excellent points. Yeah, we're definitely gonna talk about some of that in our, um, in our discussion today. Uh, I think that that's one of the biggest things that I've been hearing. I'm probably, I'm sure that you have as well that is this, a, is this gonna help us? Is this gonna hurt us? What is this doing to our lives? But, it's, but without a doubt, I'm not hearing anybody say, it's really not gonna impact me at all. You know, I'm hearing everybody say, it's gonna impact you one way or the other, and it's a part of um, everything that we do. So let's start off by, you know, when we're talking about applying a data-informed approach, first of all, I love that you're saying a data-informed. Uh, so many people say data-driven, and that kind of gives the impression of like, I am a zombie to the data and I will do whatever it says, but data informed is more, um, you know, you're the decision-making entity and you're using the data. So what do we, help me with, know what this means from your perspective when we say data informed. Uh, data informed is kind of a way to have a soft landing where it comes to analyzing and using data, where data driven on one hand is like, this is what the data says, this is what we have to do. And there's, couple problems with the data-driven approach. Number one, you got to make sure your data's clean and it's got to be accurate on the inside of it. So a lot of times people get upset if you question the quality of data. So from a data-informed approach, all right, let's also question the quality of the data. Where is it coming from? And is it accurately coming out? The other thing is data-driven takes out 
any of the non-data elements when you're making a decision, right? So you might have sort of negotiations at your work. It might be tough to get buy-in. It might be tough to get people to use data. Some of the people in your organization might not completely understand where the data is, how to interpret it, and what use cases they can use it for. So when you immediately jump from, we've never used data before, to we are gonna be completely data-driven, people really push back, they get offended, and, and they kind of get really, really nervous about that approach. So this gives a way to say, look, we are gonna take data, we are gonna make informed decisions using data, but that does not mean we're gonna count out all the other aspects or all the other variables that come into this decision-making process. And we're not also not gonna not listen to your opinion because you've been around for a long time, you have a, you have some expertise and you bring a different perspective and maybe even a different way to interpret the data. So I think it's a really good way of installing a data-informed culture in your company, making sure people buy in to data, and then also kind of making it easy for people to adapt because people really do get kind of nervous sometimes about, oh my God, everything's data. Right, I love it. That's perfect. I, uh, so the, there are a couple of factors that I heard. One is that your your data, if you're going to be data inspired, data driven, data informed, your data needs to be pretty good. <laughs> so definitely keep that in mind because um, that's like building a house on a you know on sand or something. It's got to be really based on um, a solid foundation and good quality data. Um, but secondly, you mentioned like this sort of fear factor of well, is data more important than my brain? Like my experiences don't count. Like data is going to override. You know, um, my it, it's it's not just opinion either. It's it's um, an informed opinion, or it's you know an experienced opinion. So that fear factor, I think, definitely um, has an impact as well. So data informed. Thirdly, you mentioned uh, being more of a uh, a ramp to a a way to advance. You know, it's not just going from absolutely nothing to helicopter increase, but it's more of a of a ramp of like, hey, as we become more data savvy. We need to become more data informed, and it's a, it's a path for doing that. I love that. This is easy things to talk about, but really difficult to actually do. Um, so, what are some challenges that are associated? Because we're saying it like, well, no, duh. Of course, you want to be data yeah. informed, right? But it's not easy at all. So, what are some of the things that get in the way of doing that? The shock is the big thing, right? Um, I used to think some of the emails my company would send out, I thought they were terrible. I'm like, this is not working. The, I don't like the messaging, I like the verbiage. When I get data and all of a sudden it says it's the most open email and it literally changed my mind completely, I was shocked. And people, because you have this gut or this visceral reaction to something from your own experience and stuff, but when you are actually informed by the data, it blows your mind and then one, you're like, <laughs> All right, am I questioning my own value, right? Do I know what I'm talking about? But when you flip it around, you're like, oh my God, what else am I wrong about? Or what else have I not taken the opportunity to kind of embed? And so then, then the data train starts rolling and then you want more and you need to know more and stuff like that, where you still have to apply your own knowledge and stuff like that, um, but you now have the ability to make better decisions, right? Um, you're informed of exactly the results of all your actions. You're informed of things that you would have never thought of out of the box and kind of the stuff that you thought might've been fringy, but it's actually really mainstream. So the shock of your beliefs getting turned on their head based on data and statistics is, is tough to swallow. And so people sometimes have a tough time with that. I would say the second thing is, like you said before, is 
well, are we just going to go data driven? Is everything what the data says? Is I'm is my voice not a value before? And I, people are, I think people are nervous about that. And one thing companies really need to do is democratize data. Um, the more you let people have access to the data you're looking at, the more you teach them how to understand the data and how to interpret data, they then will end up coming to your side. They might not like the decision you make, but they will understand better why the decisions are being made because they have a data um, informed approach, right? If you, if you box it all up and say, well, the data told us to do this and don't show the people in your company the pathway to the decision you made, you end up like, you end up kind of just like ticking people off. You end up making people very, very upset because they didn't really get to understand how they got there. Data builds consensus. That's a lot. That's a lot to unpack. That's fantastic. So you sort of talked about a um, a story, if you will. And so let me sort of try to um, say it back to you. Uh, there's uh, sort of this four phases, if you will. You didn't say it this way, but this is what I read. <laughs> so phase one is like shock, especially if the data is counter to your intuition, which eh, most of what we come up with is probably right in line with um, tuition. But there are going to be some things that are very counter to what you might think. Um, so that's that's kind of the first phase, if you will, that I'm hearing from you is that shock. Like, oh, my gosh, I had no idea that the data could tell us this. Um, yeah, I'll give you an example real quick. Uh, we we're working on this project for a nonprofit, and it was uh, to prevent people from trying to end their lives early. And we found out that the uh, the second meeting that people have with a counselor is like really critical. Um, so of all the meetings, there are a couple of um, really pivotal points. The second one's really critical. And uh, from looking at the data, we found that there's a certain day of the week and a certain time of day that worked. And so it was like, just schedule them for that time. And, and the, the leader of that organization had no idea. And so it completely changed the way that they, that they looked at things. So that shock, especially when it's like, I thought it was going to be this, and it turned out it's that, it's that first phase. The second phase is, gosh, well, if the data can do all that, what about me? Where am I in this equation? So it's that self, um, the self-valuation. Um, but then the third phase, which I really love that you talked about, um, I'm going to call it the thirst phase, which is like, oh, give me more. You know, I, I didn't realize. Thirsting from the fire hose. Yeah, it's like, give me, <laughs> give me more. And then the fourth phase, you didn't really say this, but I think operationally, this is where it's like, you're really getting, you're really getting in sync with data. So those four phases, um, and you talked about some of the um, challenges among each, but the, the big challenges that I heard from you, I love this is um access for all okay you're a vp of marketing not a vp of like data science and you're saying this guys y'all that are listening that are data scientists please hear this guy because he is a marketing dude and he's telling us we need to help him understand so the access democratizing data and helping to understand especially um i really love that you said don't do black box, especially not at first. You know, after you've been doing this for years and years and your your stakeholders totally get it, you can just say whatever and they'll be like, okay, well, I know you're doing this right. But don't deliver black box. Like seek to understand their perspective and, and help them understand 
your perspective. So those are, um, that's a really great list of some of the, the challenges that we have to overcome. Um, anything else you want to add to that before we uh, move to the next question? No, and sometimes here's the interesting thing about data is people don't understand how much people in marketing, in sales, even in anal- not, not traditional analytics or upper management are dangerous with data, right? We will work with it enough to then ask you as the data scientist, the data engineer more. So we're not going to break it, right? We're not going to put in bad data. Don't, don't do that. Trust us with our own intuition. But we might come up with new use cases for data scientists and data engineers, right? Because we visualize and think of things a little bit differently. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. What's interesting too is I didn't hear you say the technology is a problem or that the methods are a problem. And most of what you're talking about challenge-wise is cultural. Am I reading that right? I would say, I I don't know. I mean, I'm IT for my mom. I'm IT for my grandmother, right? So I'm pretty good with technology overall. But so the technology is not there. And I truly, I mean, I'm Gen X, right? So I've been in the wonderful world of the internet forever. And I understand where data comes from. And then my career path has led me that I'm extremely comfortable with technology to the point where I can challenge it. Right where I, when we get back to whether or not the data is clean and the data is accurate, I, I have that much dangerousness. But it's really just getting adoption, right? And understand exactly where the analysis came from, why is it important, and then getting more of my people to adopt. Right? There's champions of data, I would say, like me in an organization, and then there's I would say it runs the spectrum, complete of I love it, I want more, gimme, gimme, gimme to whoa, 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 I'm not sure. Are we losing kind of, are we losing our way with this data driven approach where that's when data inform comes in and kind of makes, it eases the people's minds, right? They they have all the scariness of AI and everything else these days. So data has been around, I would say big data has been around really about 20 years and it's gotten better and better and better. And I've been through that whole adoption. So I think I'm very comfortable with it. And I think there are other people that still, especially in certain industries, are are not quite on board yet. So this is a huge question that we have in our field. Um, And for the the people that are data scientists and, and analytics and AI, which is the majority of our listeners, we would love to hear your secret sauce. Like, what is the secret? Help us understand how do we stimulate, how do we get closer to adoption because um, part of applying a big part of applying data informed approach to influence leaders and business decision makers is that adoption and so if we consider that sort of the key um, people ask me all the time like how do i get my uh, stakeholders to adopt solutions i also think just a quick caveat um, that the 80 percent ish that gartner has posted in the past about a lack of adoption is part of um, you know one of our biggest challenges right now you know today so what i know it's not going to be like a silver bullet but there's there's really what 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 can we do the first thing i would say overall is trust um trust is the most important thing make us trust the data sources make us trust um how the the flow of data comes i mean everybody got really 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 excited about chat gpt and then all of a sudden the new york times talks about how ended up recording and talking about two fake legal briefs, right? So, but that's not the data's fault. The data was taught that. So trust is really, really, really important. 
But then the second thing for buy-in comes from my world of marketing. Nobody cares really what the data does, right? Nobody cares how it works. Come to me with the value, right? What is the value to me? Is it going to have me make more accurate decisions that save me money, increase opportunity, um, get more opens, all that kind of stuff? Tie it back to the value that is important to me, number one, right? That'll start the conversation for buy-in. Because right there, I'm like, oh my God, it'll save my people 20 hours a week of trying to find market research out there, right? Boom, there's a value prop because I can then put my people on something else. All right, now when I come back to you, then we can get into kind of how it works. But from the top, always the big point, value to the stakeholder is the most important thing for messaging always. So you said some really unique things here. Um, I had I have heard trust and I have heard value, but not in the way that you just said them. Uh, so to reiterate, um, when you say trust, you don't mean just the person, like trusting that that data scientist or the lead of data. You're talking about trusting the data and the process as well. That's very interesting. So you gotta you gotta we have we data science community has to instill some level of trust that our methods make sense, that our data is good, and that we are trying to help. Like with, we're truth seekers is what we do at the end of the day. And that that's what we're trying to deliver is the truth. So I love that you talked about that from those three dimensions, like people, data, and processes. Um, and then secondly, <laughs> so we're gonna hear this and we're still gonna do things the same way, unfortunately. So hopefully somebody will do things a little bit differently, but you talked about the value proposition and the thing that's unique about how you um, describe that is you actually talked about what it's not. And, and so what I mean by that, Ned, is um, when data scientists build a, a story, we like to tell you every single thing that we did. Like, look at this cool metric that we created. Look at this neat method that I use. You don't care, do you? Is that what you're saying? Can you say that out loud? I, I will, we need I will, to hear it. I, I, so I... The Dutch company I worked for was founded by engineers and they were founded by data scientists. Um, our, our, our current software that we sell, um, data scientists, all this. And the hardest thing I have to tell them, you are so proud of what you built and I get it and it's awesome, but nobody cares at first, right? The first thing anybody really needs to hear is what value does it bring to me? Because if you don't tell me that in an email or however conversation, it, I'm gonna like either tune you out like if we were at a conference and you're like, well, all right, so this note screams into here and then we put this data through this client, like, no, no, what value does it bring? I don't care, oh, we have 10,000 data points. What do those 10,000 data points mean to me, right? Like bring it back to whatever value it has for me as the VP of marketing, right? Then I'll listen to you. But look, I know, I know your product's great, great. I know you worked your butt off building it and it's, hard not to want to tell that story it really is because you're so proud of it's what you so did. so hard but it's guess so what hard you're right but what happens is if you sell it to me and i love it i'm gonna go tell that story for you right where then i recommend you to people where i like look you got to use these people's products you got to get this because it saved myself and i will tell your value prop for you and you'll get more business yeah, then all of a sudden you're an advocate and you're a champion and you're exactly. telling our story for us instead of us trying to scream at the top and of the rooftop. I want to know the story of how you built it, right? Because I love you guys. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Thank you. I appreciate that very much because 
we need to hear that from people like you, Ned, that are that are leading uh, different functions. We don't we don't hear that enough. Um, and and so it's, if if I hear you right, you're saying, tell me the value first, and then then I will start listening to what cool things you did to get there. But don't don't start from like here's the data and this is how I scrubbed it and this is what I did and this is the method I used and these are like change the order of your story. I had Absolutely. a guy, um, he had um, a bachelor's, a master's, a PhD, and he was going back to Georgia Tech for a master of science in computational quantitative finance. And he was working with one of our client uh, companies, this financial services company. Oh my gosh, Ned, he had 85-ish slides. And there was only two, there were only two slides that actually told the value prop. Like, here's what you get out of it. And I said, what are you doing? And he said, I'll never forget this poor guy. He said, Dr. Beverly, how else will they ever know all the hard work I put into this? And I said, that's not the objective. They don't care. Like, they're glad that you put the work in, but that's what you're saying, right? At the end of the day, how's it going to help me? It's hard. It's really hard to hear, right? When you are a builder of something, right? That nobody wants to hear how hard you worked. What you got to change your mindset to be like, I got 150 or 300 people using what I built right? That's where you get the value, the, your own personal validation, right? Um, you don't get to brag about it. You can, you can humble brag about it, right? You can, you can kind of drop notes here and there afterwards. I, I think humble brag is a really kind of cool thing these days, but it, it's, I get it. I mean, I've, I've built some cool things and like people don't care. Hey, <laughs> right? Oh yeah, my God. I, I love that you said that. I love this marketing that. campaign is amazing. All right, well, how many sales qualified leads do we get? Nobody there you wants go. to care about the whole marketing campaign, right? They want to yeah. know the results. They don't want to know how you created it and all that. That's excellent. Okay, one minute. Final piece of advice that you would give somebody who's trying to uh, really get better at applying data-informed approach and influencing leaders. I, I would say come up with a wow moment, right? That is the thing we always try to say people. Um, What's that first thing? We, we've recently installed um, uh, data insights or uh, insight advisor into our software. And it actually allows people to, using natural language, ask our software questions and get their answer, right? That is a wow moment for our clients in higher ed, right? They have never, some dean that doesn't know how to make a pivot table now can get the answer he wants, right? So if you can build that wow moment, Right there, you're already halfway in. Then you build trust, then you build buy-in, and then you build a data-informed approach. Love it, excellent, wow. This is so good. I really really am thankful, Ned, Karen, for talking to us today about applying a data-informed approach to influence leaders and business decision makers. Thank you. Thank you so much.